Hello, and welcome to the Park Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor David Blakely. Our goal is to preach the Word of God in a real and authentic way, so you are filled with the Spirit to guide you through life each and every week. To learn more about Park Baptist Church, visit parkbaptist.com. And now, Pastor David Blakely. A man was walking along along the edge of a cliff and he slipped and he, he fell. And as he's falling, he grabbed a tree branch and he's hanging there and he begins yelling, is there anybody up there? And God answers and says, I'm up here. I'm the Lord. Do you believe? And he says, yes, Lord. Yes, I believe, but I can't hang on much longer. And the Lord says, I'll save you. All you have to do is just let go. I will catch you. And there's this long pause, and then the man yells, is there anybody else up there? (laughs) We have been working through a series on faith, and we have been looking at the book of James and and looking at James from a standpoint of a faith that works. Because honestly, what good is faith if, if you can't apply it to life? If, if it doesn't change us, if it, if it doesn't factor into how we live and, and make a difference in, in how we live. And for the next two Sundays, today and next Sunday, we're going to be looking at faith that is applied to illness that is applied to sickness that's applied to to things like that a a faith that can heal and I again I want to divide this message into two parts because I, I think that in order to properly look at it we need to we need to dig a little deeper um there's so much poor information out there and and misunderstanding that I think that it's important not to race through this topic. Now, I want to begin by just pointing out that physical healing was a major part of Jesus's ministry. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, it says, Jesus went everywhere teaching, preaching, and healing people who had all kinds of diseases and sickness. This is an interesting thing. The Bible records 37 different miracles that Jesus performed. Of those 37, which we know he performed many others, but that's all the Bible gives us. But of the 37 miracles that Jesus performed, 28 of them were healing of some form or another. 28 out of 37. I would say that in and of itself shows God's priority on on this issue of of being able to overcome sickness and, and deal with it. Now, the Bible tells us that Jesus was a teacher He was a healer. He was a a preacher and he cared about changing people's minds, changing their understanding. He was a teacher. Uh, Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall, shall, that's easy for me to say, shall set you free. 
Did you know that Christianity, that's why our faith is a preaching, it's a teaching, and it's a healing faith. Because Jesus did this, and we are to be like Jesus. As Christians, we build schools, we build hospitals, we aren't just concerned about building churches. That, that shouldn't be the case. Over the, the course of Christianity, over the 2,000 years that Christianity has been in existence, Christians have begun more schools and built more hospitals than anybody else easily, uh, hands down. <clears throat> it was the church that invented the hospital. Technically, it was God that invented it, but he worked through the church. It was during the Roman Empire in the second century when the bubonic plague was, was ravaging Europe and, and the Mediterranean countries. Christians began to go in and minister to those people who were, were being um, affected by the bubonic plague. And they began what up until that point didn't exist. They began hospitals. And then in the second, in the third century, when the, the plague again rose up, uh, it, it was Christians who improved upon the concept of the hospital and, and cared for those people who were, who were being afflicted. Healing and caring for sick people is a major part of, of our faith. And then Satan came along and stepped in and created insurance and HMOs. Just, sorry. <laughs> now, healing and illness, excuse me, healing and, and, and overcoming sickness is something that comes from God. All good gifts come from God. God in the Bible is known as Jehovah Rapha, which means the Lord who heals. Now, God may use a doctor. He may use medicine. He may use a miracle. He may use something else. But God is always the source of healing. He is the healing God. Now, what I want to do this morning um, is before we, we get into all of this, I want to address some of the false concepts that are, are floating around out there. Some of the errors, some of the misconceptions, some of the, the myths um, that that feed into to our, our, our understanding and sometimes pollute our understanding. And it's important for us to clear these things out of the way so that when we, when we approach the concept of healing and, and how sickness is viewed in our lives, we need to have a biblical understanding now, the very first error that I want to address is that you cannot buy healing by giving to a church or, or a ministry. You know, that just simply isn't true. You cannot buy your healing. You cannot buy God's grace. You cannot bribe God into doing something, into doing a miracle in your life. 
The truth is we don't deserve anything good from God. He doesn't owe us a thing. Everything God does, he does out of the goodness of his heart because he loves us and because he is a God of grace. Over 500 years ago, the, the, the leaders of the, the church back in those days, they had become apostate. And what that means is they had turned away from the truth. They had left Christianity and were practicing a false religion. And they started doing what was known as selling indulgences. They were, in essence, tickets to heaven. Uh, basically, what they were doing is they were saying, hey, if you give us some money, then we will allow you uh, um, we we will make sure that you get into heaven early or that you don't have to spend time in, in a thing they had called purgatory. And what they were really doing is they were trying to raise money to build a church, St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. These unscrupulous leaders were telling the, the poor people, the peasants, um, that they, they could, in essence, buy their way into heaven by selling them these indulgences. And if you gave an offering, either for yourself or for somebody else, you could get time off of purgatory or that you could get fast-tracked into heaven. Now... This was just one of several heresies that made true Christians so mad that they ultimately broke away from, from the church at that point in time, and it began what was known as the Reformation. By the way, next Sunday, October 31st, is Reformation Sunday. And that's because on October 31st, 1517, a German monk by the name of Martin Luther had a list of grievances and he nailed these grievances to the door of the church that he was the pastor of, All Saints Church in Wittenberg, Germany. Now, today we chuckle at the notion that someone might sell you a ticket to heaven. But all you have to do is turn on a, a religious radio, um, television station and you'll see that people are still selling indulgences. They don't call it an indulgence, but that's exactly what it is. Uh, you, you, they're, they're selling healing. Now, this is how the pitch goes. If you send me some money, then I will send you a prayer cloth, or I will send you some specially prayed over blessed oil, or I'll send you some holy water taken from the Jordan River or, or wherever. Um, and, and when you receive these, then you will get healing. Now, this is bogus. Uh, you know, please, I hope everyone understands that. Th this is no different than selling an indulgence. You cannot buy healing. You can't pay for something like this. This happened in the Bible. Um, in Acts chapter 8, beginning with verse 9, it's a man named Simon had been a sorcerer for many years, amazing the people of Samaria and claiming to be someone great. 
Everyone from the least to the greatest often spoke of him as the great one, the power of God. But now the people believed Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. As a result, many men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself believed and was baptized. So this, this guy, this Simon guy, this sorcerer has become a Christian. He, he has accepted Christ. But notice verse 18, when Simon saw that the spirit was given, when the apostles laid their hands on people, he offered them money to buy this power. Let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so that when I lay my hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. This is important. Listen to Peter's reply. May your money be destroyed with you for thinking God's gift can be bought. You have no part in this for your heart is not right with God. Repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive your evil thoughts. What this tells us is you cannot buy God's gift of healing or God's gift in any way, shape or form. And to do so is wickedness to, to try to do something that is considered wickedness. And it's something that needs to be repented of. But pretty quickly, people right off the bat figured out that they could make money doing religious stuff. And that's why Paul says in 2 Corinthians 2.17, unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ, we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. Now, you maybe are wondering, are, are these people on TV that are doing this stuff, are, are, are they true believers? Are, are they really Christians? I don't know. I'm not their judge. We, none of us are their judge. But be careful of anyone who seems to be seeking to make a profit in, in the name of Jesus. You know, you cannot buy a miracle. I, I cannot for the life of me imagine Jesus telling somebody, hey, tell you what, if you kick in a little money in the coffer, I'll, I'll heal you. That, that just, that's, that doesn't sound like anything that we would ever hear Jesus say. Now, a second error about healing that, that you hear of is that it is never God's will for a Christian to be sick. It's never God's will to be sick. Now, there, that, that sounds wonderful. And the people who teach this believe that God always wants us to be well. They believe that if you get sick, it's because you're somehow out of step with, with God, that either you lack faith and that you're just needing more faith in your life, or that maybe you've sinned. And, and so as a result, you're, you're just not syncing up with God the way you need to. Now, there's, there's several problems with this perspective because the Bible teaches the exact opposite. Uh, 
The Bible teaches that problems and pain and suffering and and therefore illness are very much a part of, of God's overall process for building up the Christian and and building up Christ-like character. God did not exempt Jesus from suffering and pain. So, you know, Jesus was tortured and died. So why would we think that if Jesus went through that, that somehow we should be exempt from doing that? Now, it just, it doesn't add up. Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 19, those who suffer according to the will of God should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Did you notice that phrase? Those who suffer according to the will of God. Sometimes being sick is part of God's will. It may not be your fault. You know, uh, we live in a broken world. There are people who are getting sick with COVID and, and sick with all kinds of different things. They didn't do anything wrong. They just got sick. Some of the greatest Christians over the course of history have lived their lives dealing with chronic illness, chronic pain, uh, and they were never relieved of it. One of the examples that, that immediately comes to my mind, Charles Spurgeon, one of the, the greatest Christians of the 19th century, uh, a fantastic man of God, deep spiritual mind, suffered from horrendous depression. He, it, it dogged him relentlessly and he had no relief from it. But what God did was he used that to drive Spurgeon deeper and deeper into his faith. You know, think about Paul's ailment, his, his thorn in the flesh. You know, some people you know, um, have tried to explain it away. Uh, no one knows exactly what it was. Um, some believe that maybe it was his blindness. There, there are several different things. You know, the, the fact that the guy was beaten and whipped and shipwrecked. Who knows? He could have had, you know, bro bro broken bones that were not set correctly. We don't know know what was wrong with him. But three times he asked God for healing. And three times God says, no, I'm going to leave it for you. And it's going to be what helps you be a person of greater faith. And my grace will be enough to help you deal with it. Remember when we first started studying James one of the very first verses in James chapter one says, don't be surprised when you have troubles and trials and pain and, and all of that kind of stuff. Don't be shocked by that. It's not necessarily God's will that you are going through this, but God has allowed it. And so when things go wrong in your life, 
what we need to understand is it's part of God's plan. He is allowing it to happen. We live in a broken world. Our bodies are broken. We are all destined to die. And you're going to have trials. You're going to have troubles. You're going to have tribulations. You're going to have sickness. It is just a fact. Jesus said in John 16, in this world, you will have troubles. So when getting, when a person gets sick, it's, it's wrong thinking to say, oh, this isn't God's will. God doesn't want me to, to experience any hardship in my life. That's nonsense. Now, Paul talks about this quite extensively, and let me just give you three quick things here. In Philippians 1, verse 29, Paul says, for you, have been, um, for you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. That's part of being a Christian. Did, did you know that you're suffering is a privilege. Have you thought, gee, God, I sure do appreciate this. Thank you so much. I, I, I don't know what I'd have done without this. Well, our, our, our suffering is a privilege. Now, again, in this context, he, you know, we could draw and say, well, he's only talking about when we go through persecution, but that's, that's certainly not the, the overall concept of the Bible. Suffering is understood. Hardship is understood. Persecution is understood. You know, it's mostly a Western and an American mindset that somehow life isn't supposed to have any suffering in it. It's not supposed to have any hardship. You know, we, we have this happily ever after mentality. If you ever watch um, movies from Asia, for instance, from Korea, or even from, from a lot of European countries, if you've ever watched any of their movies, they don't have happily ever after, you know, they, they, they end and you're just feeling crushed and they're like, Oh my gosh, you know, it, it's, it's we Americans that think everything has to work out in a nice, neat little bow and the good guys win and the bad guys lose. And, and all of that works out that that's nonsense. That's not the way the world works. Colossians 1.24 says, I am happy in my suffering for you. There is much that Christ must still suffer. I am glad and I gladly accept my part in those sufferings in my body for the good of his body, the church. What he's saying here is that the church, the body of Christ has suffering it must go through. And since you're a part of the body of Christ, you share in that suffering. First Thessalonians 3, 3, Paul says, we didn't want any of you to be discouraged by all of these troubles. You knew we would have to suffer. 
we're all destined to have pain in our lives. Now, I, I understand that this is not a woohoo kind of, of service. You know, I've not heard one amen. I, I you know, I'm just really amazed. Um, but but the reality is, is we need to be reminded so that we're not, un you know, that that we're not being caught off guard. Now, a third area about healing that, that we need to understand that's not true is that some say that miracles don't exist anymore, that that miracles died out with the apostles or or that miracles ceased once the Bible came together and and became a a finished canon of work. You know, the, these well-meaning Christians believe that there are no more miracles, that, that the miracles you see in the Bible are, are, are the end of it. You know, the, 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 there's a problem with that. They believe that all the miracles Jesus did and all of the miracles that the apostles did were done in order to establish Jesus's credibility and to establish the credibility of the church in getting it started. Well, the problem with that is in order to believe that, that no more miracles exist, you have to ignore a lot of the commands of Jesus. You know, Jesus says, the things that I do, you will do, and even greater. Um, he, the, the fact that, that there are promises all through the Bible, you know, you have to explain away every miracle that has happened in the 2,000 years since the, the apostles died. You know, when you stop and think about it, isn't every salvation a miracle? Now, Jesus, as I said at the very beginning of this message, Jesus's desire and Jesus's ministry was to preach, to teach and to heal. And Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. What we take away from that is just as Jesus preached and taught and healed when he walked the earth, that's still his motivation today. Jesus Christ is the same teacher and healer today that he was 2000 years ago. And he wants to teach and he wants to preach and he wants to heal through his body, the church. And who is the church? You, us, you guessed it. You know, even today, Jesus is our teacher. He is our preacher. He is our healer. And we need to have that same mindset. Now, with those issues addressed, I want to just very briefly introduce James chapter five. And this is the, this is the faith that, that heals and, and pay attention to this because you will be tested on this. Um, James chapter five, beginning with verse 13 says, if you are having trouble, 
you should pray. And if you're feeling good, you should sing praises. If you are sick, ask the church leaders to come and pray for you. Ask them to put olive oil on you in the name of the Lord. If you have faith when you pray for sick people, they will get well. The Lord will heal them. And if they have sinned, he will forgive them. If you have sinned, you should tell each other what you have done. Then you can pray for one another and be healed. The prayer of an innocent person is powerful and it can help a lot. Elijah was just as human as we are, and for three and a half years, his prayers kept the rain from falling. But when he did pray for rain, it fell from the skies and made the crops grow. I really like that last little part where it says Elijah prayed and rain fell from the skies and it helped the crops grow. That's a verse of, of hope that we all need. You know, this is a season, if you will, of dryness. It is a season of hopelessness. It is a season of fear and of despair. A lot of people are struggling. And my prayer is that, that we start experiencing spiritual and growth and, and true healing in our midst. You know, so many people need healing. They are sick physically. They are sick emotionally. You know, so people, so many people need economic healing, financial healing. You know, our country is sick. Our culture is sick. Our nation is sick. And we need healing in so many areas on so many levels. You know, and I think that's why this message is so important because we need to understand that, that a healing needs to take place in, in our lives, in, in, in the life of this church, in the life of this community, certainly in the life of this nation. If, if you notice, you know, in this passage that I just read, in six verses, James mentions prayer seven times. You know, if you're if you're paying attention, taking notes, the word prayer is mentioned seven times in six verses. I think he's trying to make a point here, you know, and, and here it is. Healing comes through prayer. Healing is, that prayer is the source of healing. Now, I told you you're going to have homework. What I want you to do is this week, I, I really would like to encourage you to pray and meditate and read and reread and reread James 5, 13 through 18. And as you read, just be seeking God and saying, God, fill my head with with understanding and next week, what I'm going to do, we're going to play kind of like Jeopardy because there, there are four questions that, that we're going to answer. The four questions are, when should I pray for healing? The second one is, why aren't people healed every time we pray? The third one is, who can pray for healing? And the fourth is, how do I pray for healing, either for myself or for someone else? This is going to be an important message because, again, there is a, an understanding gap that, that we need to, to fill. 
I really encourage you to, to pray and meditate on James 5, 13 through, through 18 or 13 through 20. Let's pray. Lord, I know that as we come to you in prayer, people are, are lifting up their own needs. There are people here today and certainly people watching online who are dealing with sickness and that sickness takes various, various types of, of, of forms. And so father, I just, I pray that we would come to you in faith today, trusting you, seeking you. Lord, you call us to come to you. And Lord, as we, we come to you, we, we realize that you have a, pur a purpose and a plan for absolutely everything that you do. And that our lives are not just random, bouncing around like a pinball. That, again, everything about our lives have a, has a purpose. You have allowed horrible things to happen in, in many of our lives, things that should not have been. And so, Father, my prayer is for guidance and for healing and for correction. My prayer is that you will help us not just to make sense of it and be at peace with it, but that we would be able to use it to have lives that make a difference that we would be able to use the, the wrong and the bad that has happened in our lives to bring honor and glory to you. Father, my prayer is for you to be honored and glorified. And I, I say now to everyone in this room and, and those that are watching online that if you have never committed your life to Christ, maybe today needs to be that day. Let the, let the healing of your soul begin through the salvation that Jesus offers. All of us are sinners. All of us have fallen short of God. And when Jesus died on the cross, he was dying for you to make Make it right. He was the sacrifice so that you don't have to be. And if you understand that and you want your life to count, if you want your life to make a difference in the kingdom of God, then commit your life to him today. Resolve to follow him. And maybe you can seal that by, by praying a simple prayer that just says, and repeat after me if this is something you want to do. Dear Jesus, I want you in my life. I want my life to make sense. I want to have hope. And I know that you offer that. I give you my life. And I ask you to come into my life. Change me from the inside out. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.